Okay, it is the British BMX Hall of Fame podcast. This is episode two, and today I'm with Mr. Paul Roberts, Grotbags in Huntington Beach. How you doing, Paul? I'm really good, I'm really good. What have you been up to? Uh, a lot of music, playing music, playing shows. Um, yeah, just uh, it's coming into summer here in Huntington Beach, so it's, you know, more people are in town. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Summer's almost here. It's uh, They get June gloom here, supposedly, so it's a bit, it's a bit cloudy, but it's... Uh, Weather's lovely, as always, and... Uh, You've yeah. been riding your bike, I see. I mean, I I always ride my bike. It's, you said uh, a Lendo for me when you pulled in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I, because I don't drive, I just, I always, always ride wherever I'm going, and probably the last, I don't know, two or three months, I've just been on the VMAX mostly. It's, uh, I just, I like, I like rolling around on it and just it. I'll give you props, because you haven't raced in decades, you haven't got, I know you've got other bikes than that, but you still ride a 20 inch. You still got good style on the bike for an old guy as well. You know what I mean? I mean, there's good, there's it. a lot of guys that are good old guys that still race, yeah. but still stiff as hell. Yeah. You are actually still flowy and, and jumping think, off I, curbs I, I, and I, stuff. I think it's because I never, I never, never quit. Had, well, I never had a period where I didn't, uh-huh. I didn't ride my BMX at least, you know, at least once a week and, and was using other bikes for transport. So it's, uh, yeah, and it's, you know, it's just, it's, Anybody who's rode a lot will know that if you ride your bike every day for a long period of time, you get that that special feeling of, you know, it's exactly how it should feel, and you, you know. Yeah, and your tires were flat as well. I know they do need <laughs> pumping up. It's uh, I'm not going like Ethan Corrier street style, but I uh, they just need some air in them. That's all. Cool. All right. Well, let's. Uh... We're going to do a podcast today. We're going to talk about some of the categories for the Hall of Fame. Because we've got nominations for uh, four of the categories so far, right? Yeah, and if you haven't seen them, you can see them on BMX, um, I was going to say BMX Weekly, British BMX Hall of Fame Instagram and Facebook page. We post them every Wednesday. Uh, so I thought uh, we did a podcast with Ruffles last week and I just thought we'd get a bit more into detail on some of these, um, yeah, some of these riders and people within these groups, and I know you're the man to talk to. And so, let's start with the pioneer female racer. So tell so us. So the, the the four groups we have today are mm. all the pioneer groups, right? Uh, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. All right. So pioneer female racer, the girls from the beginning. So your nominations, the eight people are Melanie Vorvel, Donna Duffy, Alison De Goodis, Sarah Jane Nichols. Debbie Scott Webb, Jane Wendell, Rachel Holmes, and Alex Temple. And uh, I remember when we spoke about this before, a lot of those names were, were mentioned on the on the podcast with Mike as well. Um, yeah, I, obviously, it's uh, all of the people who you're going to see nominated have illustrious careers within BMX. It's uh, and it's. Um, you know, everyone will have their favourites. I mean, Melanie Vorvel, she did a lot as well. She, she, well, Jane Winnell and Melanie Vorvel, Jane, Jane maybe more so, but both of those uh, riders both ended up having shops or distribution agencies and were running teams. Mm-hmm. They weren't just, they weren't just racing for themselves. They, they ran teams. They brought a lot to the, a lot to the table. It's, uh, Donna Duffy's, uh, someone we haven't mentioned before. She rode for, she rode for the Hutch team, which, the Hutch team was good when it was in England. It was uh, in in eighty three when they and they were getting the direct, uh, the direct stuff from the USA. So they had those. They actually had the race sleeves with the stars. Not straight away, but eventually they did. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they eventually yeah. had the, yeah. the very same stuff. Because I remember at Slaghar, I remember Danny Stabielli and Donna were in the picture with. Uh, I don't know if they did. I think Donna Duffy might have. I don't know if Stabielli did. I'm thinking of that cover of BMX Weekly. Yeah, I know. They, I know they had that. They had. The they red, might have at the end. Because I, I yeah. always, like my first bike yeah. was a Hutch, and I would have killed to oh have my that. gosh, yes. the stars, stars yeah. on, the, on the sleeves. But yeah, Donna's in that photo from Slag Island where her and Danny are sitting there, and uh, they might have got him at that race. A few of them that Charlie, was there, yeah. Was Charlie Williams and uh, Timmy Judge are jumping over him. And, I mean, I'm not sure if they had him there, but I know they did get him eventually. Mm. So yeah, Donna, Donna Duffy, and she was, you know. She was in that super super hard age group with uh, with Sarah Jane and and my sister and, and Donna battled a lot. Yeah, they had some good like second, yeah. third, fourth yeah. place battles. You know, obviously yeah. Sarah Jane was. And your your out. sister, your sister is on on the list yeah. and uh, and deservedly so. It's uh, well, somebody did say why is she on there or you know kind of leaded it to me, but my sister's stats. She does actually have two national titles. She won the British Championships in nineteen eighty four. 
and she won MBMXA national number one in uh, 1985 mm. and she backed that up with a second place at the Europeans behind Sarah Jane in 85 as well so I think yeah. she a deserves of, a spot in there you know yeah of course and when you think of these, these, this group of pioneers a lot of these girls raced against each other yeah like the, on, the only I mean I mean, there's a couple that don't race against all of them because Alice Temple we've got her on the list but she left she left very so early so early yeah uh, but um, it's you know everybody who's on this list is there's good reasons for them to be on there I mean Alice Temple was so iconic when she was number one pro. Well, well no, there wasn't pro later. It wasn't then. pro, she was, she was number one. The oldest class. age group of girls, yes. Yeah, and yeah. she just, you know, it's, yeah. Well, they had, the, they had the image thing as well. And she's like, that's yeah. why, you know, Melanie didn't win a national title, but she was in a lot of magazines. She was kind of like the fan favorite, you can say. She won races. You know? She won races. She won races, well. but like national yeah. national titles yeah. I'm talking about. But she was definitely got a lot of coverage in the magazines. You, you've got to keep it in mind that, that you know, Sarah Jane is on that list. Yeah. Um, she took a lot of those titles away that other people would then And Debbie Scott win. Webb as well. Yeah. You know, she won yeah. titles. I'm biased. I was friends with Debbie when she was, when, you know, when she was young, so I, uh, I mean, I, every, everyone on the list is has got a good argument for being on there. It's uh, if if you were alive in that time, you will have your favourites out of that. But I, uh, I don't know. I mean, Jane, Jane Windle being that first number one upper age group, Alice Temple backing that up the year after, and uh, and then Sarah Jane after that. It's uh, it's hard to argue against those three. I mean, it's hard to argue. It's easy to argue for anybody in the risk, but hard to argue against against anybody I mean Sarah Sarah Jane is uh, you know and they all got a lot you know obviously said you said Alice kind of got out early but all these girls or most of these girls featured in the Kellogg's as well so they got a lot of coverage by 85 a lot of these girls mm. have done a lot of stuff you know so yeah I mean Sarah Jane was so dominant at the Kellogg's yeah both years it's uh, yeah I am um, it's it's you know people will have their favorites it's uh, and it's uh, everybody does deserve to be on that list. It's um, it's a t- it's definitely a tough and the same as every class. It's like um, it's hard to even narrow it down to eight. So it's going to yeah, get even harder harder after this. Do you want to move on to the next category, Paul? Yes, uh, I mean it's also hard with pioneer pioneer female because some of those females are you know the best of all time. It's uh, so they could feasibly win that or or the other one. But I mean in in, in pioneer it's. Uh, Anyway, make your own decisions. We've just given you the names. <laughs> uh, quickly for the next one, Pioneer Influencer. Who are the names on the list? So we've got Alan Rushton, Jeff Wiles, Malcolm Jarvis, Sue Jarvis, David Duffield, Don Smith, Martin Higginson, and Jeff Barraclough. I, it's very, very hard for me, um, as with all of these lists. I, I had personal relationships with a lot of people on the Pioneer list because I was, I was on the UK scene at that point. Um, Sue Jarvis and Malcolm Jarvis put me on Amco um, and there was a time before that where Amoco were the premier team in England and, and because of their distribution of that um, and their running of the Mongoose team it's, they were so like they were so visible at that time and Sue helped run the races you know Sue along with you know, a bunch of a bunch of people who may well come in later on in the influence. So she was there helping running the races, but yeah, the Jarvis the Jarvis family they you know <laughs> putting me up getting on mongoose for the for the eighty seven season and the eighty six season was just uh, was amazing for me. And all of those people have given you know you look at you look at Martin Higginson from uh, from BMX Weekly. Um, and all of those people, when you think back to the magazine coverage back then, think about BMX Action, like Don Smith and Jeff Wiles and those people were mentioned in that. I think, who, who was it, which one of those two was it that had the, had the uh, column in one Jeff of the Jeff Wiles in BMX Jeff Action, Wiles, well, official right? and then in BMX right. in, uh, Action Bike as well, yeah. Because I, I yeah. remember even learning a bunch of stuff then. I remember learning about gear ratios. Yeah. He wrote that article yeah. there. And it's, um, you, you know, it's... Those people in a sport that was so young, they were adding like knowledge and legitimacy to it straight away. So it's, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For me, it's like this was before my time. The, the this kind of list of people, you know, I was kind of coming in as as these people were already embedded in what was going on. So I really leaned on Ruffle had a lot of, 
you know, back knowledge on these guys, obviously. Um, all of these people, obviously, had connection with, as he said in last week's podcast, Jarvis with Jarvis's. Changed, Alan, Jarvis has changed his life. Yeah, Alan Rushton and uh, Jay Hardy's give us some good information as well, because obviously he was there from those early days as well. Jeff Barraclough from the first GT team as well. Yeah. One of the first GT teams. And uh, I obviously benefit from that later on. There's a hell of a lot of coverage with, with Jeff uh, Barraclough in the early BMX Weekly. Uh, newspapers uh, and then actually Don Smith's daughter sent me a bunch of cool stuff as well because obviously he did the book and uh, she sent me some really good stuff that I mean, was... a lot of these people are the cornerstones of BMX in England at that time when it was brand new and it was starting and it was coming across from America these are the people who who, who you know stepped forward and knew what they were doing it's uh, like I say I Sue Jarvis did so much for me like you know I um I'll always be, uh, you know, always be indebted to them for that. And I'm sure on that on that list, there's you know everybody will have you know anybody you've got a photograph in BMX Weekly, you know, that will be influenced by Martin mm-hmm. Hinson. So I mean that that's for a lot of the older the older people to look at and vote on because you know not everybody will know those people. And it's uh, I mean even from back in the day, some of those people were already like too high up for you to see. You know. Yeah, like yeah. The dude from BMX Weekly, you're never going to get to see that guy, or mm-hmm. the Jarvises, like, you know, unless you were invited into the mongoose tent, you weren't going to get to hang with those yeah. those people. But they, uh, everyone on there, you know, influenced BMX and its direction in the early days, and and making that BMX racing predominantly what it what it became. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, all right, Paul, let's move on to the next one. Yes, this is good. This is definitely good. I'm excited <laughs> about this one. Pioneer Male Racer. So now, keep it in mind, some people aren't on these lists where you might think they were going to be on it, but that's because they're going to be on the, probably on the... Potentially on the next racer list, yeah. yeah. yeah so some yeah. people you might think, well, why isn't that person on that list? Mm-hmm. It's because probably they're going to be invited onto the onto the main the main the main male racer and, and, uh, and some of those riders that you think that should be on the pioneer the way they did go on to the next list because we wanted to look at pioneer the first you know the start of bmx in the uk and then kind of the we didn't say we cut it right off there but then we start to look at and this, you know who this went pioneer, past 85 this pioneer list is very early like mm-hmm. some of these people are, are gone, gone and done by 86 87 but yeah. they were very very you know they were mainstays of the national and international circuit from 82 onwards. And I think there's a good mix of, um, we wanted to put some guys that dominated those early eight years uh-huh. of, of and, and factory superstars, your Craig Schofield, your Stu Diggins, uh, your Nicky Matthews, guys that just banged out number one plate straight away and had that factory look that inspired, you know, you, me, and so many Everybody, people, yeah. you know? And then obviously you got, uh, yeah, big Trevor Robinson, Steve Gratton, Alan Woods. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about those guys. Well, let's let's run through the list yeah. and then we'll take them one by one. Yeah. Everyone's a worthy worthy nomination. Uh, Trevor Robinson, Wayne Llewellyn, Alan Woods, Nicky Matthews, Steve Gratton, Pete Middleton, Stu Diggins, Craig Schofield. So uh, the first name on the list is Trevor Robinson, and uh, I mean what what's crazy is that back in those days in the nationals, once those nationals were going. And uh, the 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 top class was starting to race for money, starting to go super class the very first couple of years. Um, you find that the first first heroes of those sports and the first professionals are dudes who are in their physical prime, like you know, late teens, early twenties. But like Trevor Robinson was a beast. Yeah. Like, and he 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 just had that power. And Berman and Wills was such a force to be reckoned with back in the day it's very it's hard to explain how hard they came onto the national circuit and the riders that they they bought with them it's uh you know you there were so many big names on that team it's easy to forget that scott beaumont was on that team oh yeah 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 like it's uh so i mean trevor robinson when he came in and that battle the battles that he had with tim mm-hmm. before andy came up um i mean they those he actually, he actually he actually took some wins away from tim in 83 superclass yeah. started in 84 but in 83 uh, Ruffle was still in the 16s, but um, 
Big Trev and Tim was 17 plus and Trev, yeah, and then that was his first year, full year of UK BMX because well, you see so many pictures with the long number. 2171, I think. Well, you, I don't know that. That's a guess. Yeah, yeah. If anyone will get it, you did. <laughs> but anyway, he went straight in and went head to head and, and took some yeah, wins away from yeah, Tim getting yeah, number two yeah. and then they obviously met Ruffle the following yeah, year in 84 right. in Superclass. Yeah, so. Ipswich where he was coming out and all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah. dude, this guy's as strong as Tim in a, in a straight line. Yeah, yeah Trev, Trev was on that list. Who's after Trevor? Uh, after Trevor, we have Mr. Wayne Llewellyn, which uh, again, just amateur dominator, you know, um, obviously getting on Mongoose, two times European champion, um, national champion numerous times. And uh, yeah, another one of them guys that's just inspiring and, and probably another guy that probably quit too early. You could go back to watch those early 80 videos, you know, the pool video that, you know, gets shared around and talked about so much, 84 pool. But if you just w watch, that video and watch Wayne and the 13 year olds is picking up for jumps down the second straight, even stuff that the pros aren't doing he, then, he you a, know. He had a really nice blend of... Um, power and style. Yeah, and the, the power, a lot of the power came from his size, which I think enabled him to, to ride in a similar way to the older experts, even when yeah. he was still 12s and 13s. He was so strong. I mean, it was more surprising when he didn't win. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was, you know, and it's uh, you know you look at those Kellogg's races they were surprising sometimes when he didn't he didn't win the Kellogg's races because you imagined him just roasting through he had those good battles with Andy Welsh and Nicky Dalton mm -hmm. but I um, such a tough age group yeah and those guys were powerful I just Wayne did did have good he did have good bike skills it's uh, it's there were only a couple of wins that he you know I mean Simon trying to dive inside Simon on the last turn at Barcelona it's uh you know, I think he panicked, panicked a little bit there, you know. I I, I think the, yeah. it was kind of a flat turn, so maybe that was the only last yeah, just, last ditched. I don't you know. know. I yeah, just, I yeah. think if, if if you're Wayne going into that corner, you just think I can take him down the last straight, even if I just follow him through here. Yeah, yeah. But then yeah. you know you got to think of that situation though. You yeah. I would pan probably panic as well. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my god, I'm so close to winning this, and he was so uh, he was so dominant. Even when yeah. he, even when he had people come up and challenge him, he was ever ever so dominant. And like you say, he. Uh, easy to think of him how he would have been a good pro because he was already that size he was mm -hmm. that size for his 14, 15 and then you see what his brother did when his brother went into the top classes so it's uh, yeah yeah and next on the list after him is Alan Woods now, I, I I the godfather yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's, the British um, godfather there's a couple of people yeah. on this list who who maybe three people on this list who really stand out for me it's uh, A because it's the pioneer and it's these guys were right at the beginning. Like the very first dudes in the top class. I mean, I remember watching the national between Tim and Alan Woods when the first national was at Wigan, Three Sisters. Wigan, put him over the turn. Dude, I... I found a picture of that. I, yeah, yeah, like yeah. for me, yeah. I think that was one of the first, one of the, I think I'd been to a national before that, but that might've been the first one where it was like, that was the first national of the year and we were gonna go to every national. And watching that final was just like, mm -hmm. it lived up to just so much hype. The, the, one, cap, the caption is, uh, did he, did he, oh, did he fall or was he pushed? Was he pushed, something yeah. like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was I mean, he pushed, just, something I, like that, I, yeah, yeah. That race with him yeah. and Tim was, uh, was unbelievable, man. And, and like you say, it's, you know, the fact that Alan's is still going today mm -hmm. um, and he's run through, he sponsored all of those people. Like, he sponsored two full of the best factory teams for a long time. And then went on to do, you yeah. know, with Shanae's and, yeah. and yeah. the White and he, boys. Yeah, yeah And obviously now. gone into he's, the new era as well, which is, yeah. Yeah, um, but I mean, as a racer, he was formidable. He, he had number one plates. Um, the first the official very, seventeen yeah, plus national at number the very one, yeah. Beginning. So it's uh, as a, as a pioneer racer, he's he's truly iconic to uh, to say on that list. It's um, we're uh, after him is Nicky Matthews. Now Nicky Matthews is a. I think there was a group of only four people who got. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking exactly why. Um, there was an article in BMX Weekly f with four guys that the first three number one first place. two number was one place yeah which is a guy that's never spoke about i need to really try to find some more stuff on this kid a kid called mark pete, yeah, mark pete. which alan would probably know because he wrote for robinson i've got a feeling in yeah. that article he's wearing those big big glasses yes exactly yes yes mark pete yeah, ruffles he, was, he, Nikki really, Matthews. he really was in and out he came in yeah. dominated and then was 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 yeah. totally gone like i don't even remember seeing him racing no 82 83 no, national I, uh, number I one gone yeah crazy 
Um, but uh, but Nicky was one of those guys anyway. Two well, times and, national and, yeah, champion. Yeah, two times national one. It was him, Mark Pate, Ruffle, Sam Jarvis. And, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, but he just had... I mean, he had his own style anyway, but then... I remember Gecko bought them. Well, you was a Kawara guy, so you probably yeah, really liked it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gecko bought him, and maybe Jason Maloney, or maybe Stu, but they bought them to Olympia one year in a limo. Oh wow! I see. I they came and they got out of the limo, yeah. and he had like crocodile skin shoes. But yeah, Nicky was was dominant in a very hard age group. Uh, the age group that that Martin Joe ended up taking over after that. It's. Um, yeah, he was one of the first factory dudes. I just, you know, something about them dudes just that they were the cool guys. When mm-hmm. you went to the races, you were just like, oh, dude, it's like, you know, Dean Scott. They're like movie stars to yeah, me, yeah. Like Dean Scott yeah. Webb when he was on Skyway, I was just yeah. speechless. Just looking at his bike and then looking at that bell helmet yeah. and the Skyway gear with his name on the shoulders. I don't think I ever spoke to any of them, any dude, of the factory dudes. Just too dude, scared. Nicky, Nicky Matthews was amazing. Um, next on the list is Steve Bratton. I, um, and he was, he was another one. At um, at Pickett's Lock, he had he was on Iron Horse and he was black. Or co- he had, no Cobra, he'd have been on Cobra then, in oh, black. Maybe he's maybe on an Iron Horse bike. Maybe, but he yeah. was on Cobra. He had, yeah, yeah. He had black. Yeah, yeah. Top to bottom. There's there. a couple abs with him. Yeah. yeah, and he had that other thing where I think he had a moustache and he had long like curly Yeah, that's hair. when he's on Ace. Yeah. Yeah, and it was mm. just I can remember the first four or five people or the first four or five fully grown adult men who looked cool as fuck on their BMX bikes. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he was one of them dudes. Pig, it's like he looked just, like, uh, with that hair, he looked like a, 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 a California early yeah. skater guy, yeah. didn't he, you know? He looked, yeah, yeah. More kind of like, more like, maybe like a, like a Hessian rocker guy. It was right. crazy. But he was just a fully grown, big standing dude. And yeah. he was, uh, I remember seeing him, he was another one, just in awe of that dude. And when, whenever you were around him, it was, uh, he actually got, uh, not many people know about it, when I was digging through all the rankings and stuff, he actually got MBMXA national number one in the 17 plus. That's right, because yeah, he yeah. went with them as soon as they split. When it st- well, no, when it started. When it first started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another kind of a hidden title that he had on top of all the stuff and, and the magazine coverage. He wrote a really nice thing on Instagram. Obviously, we wrote, uh, we posted that one last week. So we, I was looking in the comments and stuff, and he wrote something. And he said, I, again, I, I didn't know him. I never met him, you know, seen him a few times. You know, but I was so young. But he, he anyways, his message was really cool. He's like, "Hey, I'm, you know, thank you for adding me in this stuff." But he seemed very humble, and uh, he says, "You know, I'm not into speaking or anything, or or or, or blow my own trumpet, basically." Uh, just seemed yeah. a really nice guy, you know. He was a so, star back then. Yeah. Moving on, the next one is uh, and big favorite of yours, right, Pete well, Middleton? And if, if yeah. people have listened to uh, your podcast in in the past, I just. Pete Middleton, when I was when I was a kid, I didn't really focus on like, you know, the superstars like Tim and Andy. Um, you know, there was that big thing made out about them, but I like Pete Middleton was my dude. Like, and I and I've I've you know I don't even really think I spoke to him. I didn't even speak to him much when I was on Amico. Right. And he was still on Amico before he went to ASR. I was just, and the thing was, he spoke just like my dad and my dad's friends mm-hmm. like he had that that tone of voice that that london accent like and just and the other thing was he always looked factory oh yeah the pictures in the magazine like, when cool. you look at roughly he would have his own style but it was kind of stock with the front brake yeah like, yeah but like you look at pete middleton man like he yes. would have more wide as well dude and mm. he would have like the best face mask the best goggles yeah like, he would have different spray jobs on his bike and the thing with pete being in pioneer male racer he won the first brockwell park yeah yep. he won the first bmx race in england and he won the first pro, pro race bmx race in yep england. Like it, and it's uh, you know, it's people sometimes forget because of that whole whole thing focusing on March and Ruffle, and then and then Geth coming into a lot of guys. Did, yeah, you're right. A lot of guys. A didn't. lot of people forget about Pete. But even if yeah. you even if you go on YouTube and look on the Stunter Biker, when Pete was on, mm-hmm. like there's there's one race from uh, it's one of the well, I can't remember where it is. He would get in the between those guys a lot. Dude, and there's, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's races where he's on where he's 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 with those guys. He's as fast yeah. as those dudes. And like I say, he, he won the first race in England. He won the first pro race in England. A lot so. of coverage. A lot of you, you great know, pictures. You know, you know who I think, and, you, and I, I'm not, I would never speak for him, um, but Dylan loved 
Yeah, you can see a little influence there, can't you? And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And that, that when you think of how Dylan would always have those awesome little factory touches. Yeah, yeah. That, maybe that was the influence, that, yeah. That so comes from that. And, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, you know, Dylan had, Dylan had style on and off the bike. And, and Pete, Pete was the same. I think when Dylan was on Mongoose, he was really like, you know, you, when you looked at the interaction between those people, there was more interaction between Pete and Dylan than, than a lot of the other members of the team. It's, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm not I'm not saying who I would vote for, but I because <laughs> we're not going to do that here today. But yeah, I uh, Pete Pete Middleton is literally one of my heroes. Cool, Stu Diggins, uh, another one, Factory, the governor of my age. Group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the governor of and, you know it's I obviously <laughs> have an age group it, from hell really, isn't well, it? Yeah, right. yeah, I, yeah. I was, yeah. I was yeah. just about to and say future stars after him. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say the age group of death. But it's you know I don't want to hype that up because that was my age group. But if you were born in '69, there were some beasts in that age group. Man. Yeah. Steve Greaves. I remember seeing Steve Greaves like, and I've said this before. Seeing Steve Greaves, I'm just thinking that dude's bigger than my dad. <laughs> but he's easily. But a lot of guys me. that went that won British and European champions. Steve Greaves was European champion. Mm-hmm. Stu Diggins was European mm-hmm. champion. Mm-hmm. And then you can go into. Tom Lynch being European champion, and then all the other successes, you know, Darren Woodley, Alexander, Tim Prince, so many. in Paris, yeah. like that age group, not only was that age group hard in England, and it really, really proved it, because when the riders from that age group went into Europe, went around the world, and they all smashed it, man. Yeah. It's, uh, so, I mean, Stu was, Stu was another one who, like Pete Middleton, he just had that factory US style and and it's it was accentuated or not maybe accentuated but maybe just shown to everybody because he went to America after getting his first number one and came back and looked exactly like you know his bike was different colour scheme but exactly the same as Clint Miller he had the Galindo bars yes you're right yeah yeah he had the sunlight hubs he had the gold Yukons yes and me being on the Kuhara national team at that point I was just like all right, I need all of that stuff. Right. There's no way I cannot have all of that stuff. Like, you know, I sweated that bike so bad. I ran Galindo bars. Like, Clive, Clive will laugh because he says they were they were super flexy and, and whatever, but I ran them bars because Stu, um, you know, Clint Miller and Gary Ellis had them, but Stu ran them bars. So There's I, that cool little one-page article of him in BMX Action Book when, when he came out to the US and raced for the yeah, Jaguar yeah. Championship. He's got them in those purple. But he's got those cool American, American yeah. shorts as well. Like, yeah. one of the first times you've probably seen that, a lot of people, you know. I mean, he, he just, it, it, you know, and he was, he was dominant when he went out there and then came back and got the next number one when he came back, but it's... Uh, he was so pro looking, man. I've uh, I've still got a pair of those Galindo bars. Really? Yeah, I've got a pair of. Oh, I've seen I'm, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In a secret stash. I, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't even know how much they're worth now because a lot of them that plastic cross brace broke, so there's not a bunch of them that are unmarked. So I don't know. I went the rental route. So. I I tried to yeah. use rental. Um, the problem was there were two kinds. There were. There were the ones that had hardly any sweep, and they're the ones that had a lot of sweep. Um, and I, the ones I got when I was on Amoco, first of all, I, I could not ride a super goose, and I could not ride them bars. I got the flat bars, and I got the super goose, and I just kept hitting my pedals on the floor. <laughs> so I ended up running the, uh, I ended up running the Patterson anyway with, uh, with, uh, with some bars. But anyway, getting off, of, off, off of the subject. Yeah, Stu, Stu Diggins was so iconic back then. It's um. It's there were a couple of riders who really, because of their look and the results, but that he stood out. He really stood out, and he stood out from that. From we the can see even guys that went on to over, you know, take over after Stu, you know, Tom and, and Darren mm. Wood, but still have a hell of a lot of. Re- you see him just mm. like praising him still on that, you know. So that, I mean, a lot of respect. Think, think of that him. picture yeah. from Dijon that Stu's leading. Yeah. In that photograph is uh, is Darren. Chaz Smith and Wayne. Rest I in think, peace, Chaz Smith. Yeah, yeah, that was a uh, shame. Yeah, that's a great picture with Wayne. Wayne, obviously, age group below, but it's still in there mixing it with them guys. You I know, think that was open. Yeah, open. Yeah, eleven yeah, to thirteen, so, open. I yeah, think it was. Uh, Last on this this particular list, Paul, Mister Craig Schofield. Another one of my favourites. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, yeah, I um. Factory very, rally. Yeah, just very similar in vein in same vein as Pete. Well, Mongoose Sounded, first. Yeah, I mean he he dominated when he was on Mongoose. Then he went with the rally team, 
um, the superclass win in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that's one class below pro. There was pro in Canada, and he won superclass. Beat Big Phil. Beat the, all the Europeans. Xavier Edwards. Yeah, and that was such a massive, massive win. Mm-hmm. Like world's titles were so hard to come by for English riders at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know even the outstanding riders in England the sport was behind a couple of those countries so you would get you know you'd, you'd come and you'd be racing against people who'd been racing for years longer than you so his his win there was massive but I mean he, he won amateur titles he won the Kellogg's like there wasn't much that he he didn't 85 win. when he won the worlds he won super class uh, national champion as well then then took them both into pro you know so i was 85 was a outstanding year for him you know it's... he was really no frills all business like, what a great gate start and super super consistent yeah like you just very strong in a straight line similar similar to andy didn't mm. look anything like you wouldn't look at him and think oh he's going to be really strong yeah but was super strong. Yeah, yeah, good consistent like, start. Yeah, he had yeah. the gate down before a lot of people. You know, you go watch some yeah. old videos, and his gate was just ahead of so much of the guys who was racing the gates. You know, just yeah. had the technique down. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, he. Um, funny because he, I don't, I don't know if he would have felt that he, he lived in Ruffle Shadow a little bit, um, where being on mongoose, mm-hmm. then being on rally, um, but I. Um, it's a good question for him at some point. Yeah, maybe. No, I no. I mean, he never, he never. We only really got to see them race against each other. Yeah. Right at the tail end, when they were both, they weren't. I don't know if they were as fully committed as they had been. Right, eighty five would probably have been. Yeah, eighty four, eighty five. Um, yeah. But I mean, he. It's hard to argue against him. He would have been a a consistent main maker and sometimes winner in in any class. You know, it's like it's. Uh, he had a lot of good people around him, but like, you know, very similar to Revel, where it just super, super good on any level, national and international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But had some of the most amazing riders in history around him. Yeah. Um, I mean, and his battles with Gary Llewellyn, uh, they were, you know, they were as exciting at some nationals. Mm-hmm, as pro. Yeah. Super class, yeah. yeah. By the time it got to the, that age group, there were going to be battles between amazingly good dudes that were going to be. I think there's so many. I mean, you still have these, and we've talked about a few of them on, on podcasts and great debates. So, those guys from 85, 84, 85, 86, the what if that guy would have stuck around longer? There's so many of those debates, which are great. Great things to talk about, and, you know. And you, yeah. you, you and me are super sad, so we spend some of our time <laughs> I know, just watching, randomly. Well, and watching YouTube videos, so <laughs> yeah. it's like that. The one, uh, you know, it's so easy to forget how some of those people were unbelievably fast. Like I'd forgotten, and how I could forget because I was around it all the time. But like Nicky Restall was amazingly yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Like on yeah. any level, like he was good at nationals, but then that race in Paris where he's racing against you, mm-hmm. you know, your age group, the, the the younger people in your age group are down with him. Like, dude, he's, he's you know, yeah, hanging no, around good. with you and Rob Bolton and, and people who went on to become... He got third, yeah, Rob Bolton won. Yeah. Uh, German guy got second, Nicky got third and I got fourth, yeah. I mean, so, you're hanging yeah. with the future mm-hmm. best pros in Europe. You and Rob Bolton were two of the, you know, the best dudes. It's uh, you, it's easy to forget how good how good a lot of a lot of people were, and it's uh, and it could have like, almost like you say what what would have how would that guy have done? You know, David is uh, David is the the prime example of that. Even though he'd stopped competitively racing by the time he passed away, you think to yourself like, okay, if you're naturally that fast and that competitive. What are you gonna be when you're fully grown? How what what's that gonna be like? It's, yeah, uh, but a lot of these guys as well though they won a lot of them won so much so early, even before the sport really got going. Like we talked about already with some of these these riders, maybe they're just kind of yeah, it's easy for them to walk away. It's like well, this is kind of easy. Kind of won a lot of stuff yeah. already, and I'm out now. You know, yeah. so some of those people were just beasts like Whopper having a race against Whopper in the yeah. age group of death again. Like he was so naturally fast mm-hmm. and powerful. Mm-hmm. It was you know. It was like racing against somebody of the same power as Trevor Robinson, all of a sudden in your age group. 
Yeah, so those those pioneer male racers, Trevor Robinson, Wayne Llewellyn, Alan Woods, Nicky Matthews, Steve Grattan, Pink Madutton, Stu Diggins and Craig Schofield. Now, I'm, I'm sure, as with uh, I mentioned earlier, there's some people who are going to think, well, there's a couple of names who aren't on there. I, I'm pretty sure that the names that you think might should be on there, maybe should be on there, are going to be on another list. Um, it's uh, keep it in mind with the non-pioneer lists are coming out, so best male. Some of the pioneers, yeah, what Paul was saying, some of their careers did go into what we just said, went into the later 80s and earlier 90s, so that's where some of those riders, we could put those into separate divisions as you'll find out as we start posting the, the, the top eight in those categories in the next few weeks I, right. mean, I mean there's there's some obvious absentees you know you you and Andy are on the board so you're not up for nomination first time you know Tim and Geth aren't on that list but I would imagine you know it's a surefire bet that they're going to pop up on a later list um, but yeah th- those are the eight people it came down to and it's uh, I'm, everybody is going to have their own favourites because you can't you can't not be influenced by your own no. experience um, and and what you thought of those people. Obviously, you can take things down to stats and you can look at stats, um, but you've got to keep it in mind. We're looking at short careers because a lot of these dudes were after the the massive boom at the beginning. They didn't keep going and do another mm. decade into. And the, the key is, we really are trying to start at the start. You know, it's like as somebody said on message me on Facebook, they're like, "What a you know, what about Kelvin?" And I'm like, well, obviously his time will come, mm. you know, but the, we've got to get a little bit more before Kelvin. Obviously, when we get to Kelvin's era, he's going to be the top of everyone's list. Kelvin's won over, without even looking, I know he's won over 20, 25 national titles. Um, but obviously we wanted to at least start at the start of BMX in England. And especially, and quite... especially with Pioneer. Mm. Especially with Pioneer. It's got to, because it's by definition, it's yeah. the people from the beginning. So, last, last list. Pioneer Freestyle. So, we have Mike Pardon, Chris Young. Neil Ruffle, Craig Campbell, Peppy Winder, Billy Stuffle, Eric Steele, and Craig Strong. So, I don't, I, don't, I'm, <laughs> I assume that everybody knows who these people are because I was, you know, I was rounding around them. But I mean, if you, the beginning of freestyle in England blowing up, if you were getting magazines at that point, you'd know who all those people were. Eric Steele's probably the only one guy I didn't know too much about. I had to dig in and he didn't get that much coverage either, at least in the magazines, but obviously talking to you and a few of the guys, I got a bit more background on him, you know? Yeah, I know, he, he was never really... Um, he was never really had a factory sponsorship or never really had a team or somebody pushing him into the limelight. Right. But uh, anybody who went to the old BFA comps and was around at that time, you know, Eric was cutting edge, like super cutting edge... There, apparently there were people who did 540s first um, but when you look at the size of the 540s that Eric Steele was doing um, at the time he was doing them that was so progressive first rider I ever even heard of fucking around with hand plants on the on like a quarter pipe I just it, you know if you if, if most people know you as crazy Eric and don't know it's Eric Steele like that's you know you've you got all, a me and my you, bike as well an yeah, action bike yeah I mean, he, he just, you know, it's, uh, he was one of the first names that came up when I was talking to John. It was, uh, you know, legendary. You know, it's, uh, you don't get nicknames. To a, lot of, a lot of these guys came from racing as well. Obviously, Mike Pardon, Chris Young. I know, you know, Andy was saying last week, Neil did a little bit of racing, not too much. Obviously, Craig Campbell was a good racer. Billy Stupple. Um, I think Billy still races. So Yeah, I... Um, yeah. It's super, yet again for me, it's, uh, Craig Campbell was number four in the very group of death that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. So Craig had proved himself as a, as a very, very competent national racer, was, was really good. Mm-hmm. But I remember from super early on, he already had a different bike um, that he rode at Rome. When we'd go and race at Rom, he'd have the brace bike, but he would also have a PK Ripper that had tufts on it. Um, and was always good. I remember riding with him and Adam and Clifford Welly at Rom and thinking, like, he was really good. Like, above most of the people in my age group. Like, it's... Uh, even before I knew that riding a bike better than not riding a bike wasn't, you know, I just used to think racing was, it was so early then, it was just racing was racing. But watching him ride at, at, uh, at Rom first, and then I was at, I was at Harrow at Harrow, 
So I was there. When Bob Parra was there? I was there when Craig and Chris Young won the comp there and got the horror freestyle the horror sponsorships yeah. um, I mean that contest horror coming over for the NEC was such a massive deal so for him you know to have a, a BMX contest at Harrow Skate Park and whoever was going to win was going to get the first sponsorship horror sponsorships in England I mean that's like the movie Rad yeah, yeah, and that yeah. was five I rode to that I rode to <laughs> that and not even I don't know if I've rode a BMX bike I've yeah, I think I rode my BMX bike there, maybe. But I, um, yeah, like, he was good straight away. And the thing with Craig Campbell is, uh, there have been so few people who've made it, like, competitively in whatever they're doing over here. Like, it was, and it was much harder back then. Like, it was much harder to come to America and do well. But he was the first person, really, who, after pretty much dominating the UK scene. He had battles with Neil, but he, he was pretty much the best freestyler in England. Like you, you Neil was the argument, but he was the he was the person they go to. And then coming here and being good here. Being good here, being at the beginning of street, being at the beginning of uh, all that change of image coming out of that, being the first person to do a five forty wall ride. Like it just I mean Craig Campbell is you know, without Craig Campbell, there's no Jamie Bestwick. Like, he's the first person who came over here and uh, and and did that. Like, King of the Skate Park contest, legit King of the Skate Park contest with Fiola and Dominguez and Bliver and Craig Cat. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, you know, he was the first dude who came here and... and and made it and was good and was recognised as being good Was had American sponsors over here I think he was probably on Lysa Beach at that point when that was super kind of like he was you know Neil, Neil Ruffin is on that list as well and, and very much deservedly so because there was a period of time where probably Carlo just wasn't was still young at that point but there was a time where at the BFA Nationals it was going to be Craig Campbell versus Neil Ruffin like there was no doubt it was going to come down to that. I even remember magazine articles you know oh Neil Ruffle got first did he win or should Craig Campbell have beaten him or it comes to like I remember all of those things like and it's uh, you know it's obviously a shame that Neil's no longer with us it's because um, it's uh, you know and, and that's the thing with this it's it, it's the whole thing for the Hall of Fame you know it's going to be nice f- to celebrate these people it's uh it's a shame that some of them aren't with us anymore, but it's going to be nice to show these people. Because, you know, it's, this is a long time ago now. You're talking early 80s. You're talking 40 years ago. Yeah. So people have, you know, they're not sad like you and me. They fucking... <laughs> yeah, they, moved on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and me just got stuck in BMX yeah. world forever. Um, we can't get out. No, but it's, it's, it's right to... Uh, it's right to, to honour these people. And, and I, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Uh, like you say, some of these people, they, they, they're ever so humble. They're just normal, regular, everyday people getting on with their lives. And mm-hmm. but what they did back in this time, mm-hmm. dude, they were heroic. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I, I looked at Pete Middleton, like, I just... Yeah, well, the influence, Ooh. and they were so young as well, a lot of these people probably yeah. didn't know what they was doing, no, you know? and to be handed that and to be... Yeah. A, I mean, Pete Middleton was just, you know, that's a positive role model right there, man. That's how to, how to do it, how to do it, and how to look while you're doing it. So. Mike Pardon. Yep. I I've mean, actually did a podcast with Mike yeah, a few years did, ago. Yeah, yeah he lives in a really nice awesome. guy. He yeah. lives in Australia. He still rides and he still does all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Surfs, Pover, skates. Pover mentioned him as well. In yeah. Podcast, and the winner of BMX Beat. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's uh, just that. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, being on Rally as well. Uh, being in the Hutch B- as yeah, well. Being on the BMX Weekly Trick Team. He was actually national number two without looking at anything now behind Ruffles. Yeah, I remember. In, when I think he, 82, he was like, 83, when he was on yeah. Talker. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, uh, with him, he was another, you know, he was so good. He was the right age when it first happened to be almost in his physical prime and was good. And, like, you know, I did tests for magazines. That does not hurt your credibility right. at all, man. It's, uh, it's you know and he was him and Andy Irwin mm-hmm. they were famous for that Andy were, Preston sorry Andy yeah. Preston yeah they were famous for that. Um, Terry Terry and Andy Terry Irwin, Jenkins yeah yeah, yeah. the other two but yeah I um, 
you know, he probably got me, he'd give me a run for coverage. <laughs> <laughs> no, you look at those early BMX weekly yeah, magazines, yeah, all he's over all over him. Yeah, a lot of covers, but good guy. And one of the first guys when um, BMX got into the, the Olympics, when that vibe started to happen about 06, 07, Mike was actually one of those original, not original, but one of the early coaches that yeah. got into coaching yeah. and stuff, you know, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, still good guy. Chris um, Young, obviously, um, he was the age group above me. Um, and I he was actually national number one Craig, yeah. Craig Schofield was number two I think to yeah. Chris yeah. again this without looking at any stats in front of me there's that one of my favourite pictures anyway of, of, of Chris on Talker handing in the plate uh, no, they're racing this. Chris, oh, right. Chris on top and Craig, yeah, yeah, number, yeah. national number one and two. Yeah. And Chris has got a like yeah. duck, duck foot. Duck feet. Yeah, yeah, but they got vans on and it just yeah. both of them was factory. Both of them two good yeah. dudes. So yeah, it was a great yeah. racer as I well. I mean, the thing with Chris is he, he did it all. He was an awesome racer. Him along with Craig, he won at Harrow at Harrow and became the first Harrow, one of the first Harrow freestyle riders, or him and Craig. Um, he also did the car jumping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did the car jumping. Kellogg's. And, and I, um, my, my thing, that's right, he was in the Kellogg's. My thing with Chris is I knew him and his brother and his dad because they were Region 9 at the beginning. His dad did a lot of stuff. I'm yeah. starting to learn through yeah. people now how, how yeah. involved his dad was yeah. at the start yeah. as well, they, you know. They, yeah. were, they were awesome. They were, uh, I still remember them, uh, and they probably had a, a team something at that point, but talking to them at, uh, at Hayes when it was at Kingsall Avenue and being like, oh, dude, these dudes know. On tour with Andy Patterson, the Skyway World Tour, yeah. he did all that, you know? I mean, that that Skyway deal, if you rode a T8 with graphite tufts on, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you know, like I said, I mentioned Debbie, uh, Dean Scott Webb earlier, Debbie's brother, I am... Um, yeah, Skyway was factory look as well, wasn't it, yeah. They and they had the, the even US, the names on the back of the jerseys look better than the, the, what we have today. Yeah, they had, the, you know? they had the US jerseys, yeah. they had the exact same kit, they had the Belmoto 3s, yeah. Unbelievable, man. Um, who haven't we mentioned? Peppy Winder. Yep, yeah, rest in peace. It's, uh, I, um, Peppy rode um, after. He, he gave up for a while and then came back and rode. And rode for a while. Um, he was from Carlisle, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, John rode with him a lot. John knew him well. Um, but the thing, thing with Peppy is he was another one. Um, he was on Amakai. Um and Literally that, just Amico. He won a mongoose. He was just like on Amico. Yeah, one to, yeah, yeah. Looking at all the photos uh, of him. It's so hard to explain how life changing it is getting on that team. Mm-hmm. Like even the way. I wonder he, why they kept him on Amico and didn't put him on mongoose. Uh, I think by that point they were they were wanting to they were making the Amico bikes. Okay, you got it. You're right. Yeah, Amico, Amico was, freestyler, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Um, Stephen McIntosh was on there as well. And um, but they, um, yeah, he was super super legit. He was Kellogg's as well, right? Did you do Kellogg's? Or BMX Beat? BMX Beat. He did super good at one of those. Yeah, but Peppy, Peppy started riding again as well. Um, before he passed away. Was, who else have we got? Billy Stupple and the Wheelie King. Oh yeah, so Billy Stupple. Billy came, Billy after, he was another on Skyway. Yeah. And did, did Went all, high, right? Yeah, did all that stuff. It's, uh, but he, he kind of, he did really well from the Kellogg's. Mm-hmm. Like did really. That's where his well. name really probably yeah, got out there, right? Loads of coverage, and it's you know it's. <laughs> and being on that Skyway tour. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to explain. I think there was still only four TV channels mm. in England at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there was Channel Four was the the new station. That was a new one, yeah, yeah. There was still only four TV shows, so to be on TV in England, like. There was no escaping it. It wasn't like, oh, well, we missed it because we were watching something else. Mm. Like, everybody saw it. It was such a big deal. Um, yeah, and he, he obviously really, really did well from that. And, and it's, you know, you remember those dudes. They 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 were the image, and rightfully so, of what the kids wanted to be. They saw those kids on TV and saw them ride, and you'd see Billy ride wrong, and the kids would be like, I want to ride like that. I want to be like that. I want that bike. I want that. And then, yeah, the last name is Craig Strong. So. A lot of the people we had, you know, the advisors for the freestyle, we, a lot of the people said Craig Strong. And looking back in the magazines, he, again, a lot of coverage. Everybody remembers Craig Strong. I just, I yeah. just, it's very hard to explain. Because, um, and what, what's crazy is talking about things going around and coming around. Wheelies being so big now, mm-hmm. right? That's He could know, probably have a niche again, couldn't he? Oh, dude. <laughs> dude. I, it's so hard to explain. We went to a race at Pickett's Lock. Um, and it was who had wheelie around the outside of all the big right. events. So it was it was it was Pickett's Lock, 
and it was uh, it was massive. Everybody was there. It was right as BMX was blowing up. They just there were so many people there, from the best people to the brand new people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a wheelie contest, and uh, it was to be held around the outside yeah, of the freestyle yeah. area. They were going to keep it open, and they made it like a little ring. It was like this little circle inside of the arena. And I, was, I just thought, like, you know, think people going around once, that was going to be amazing. And um, so they start, and, uh, oh, trivia, David Haynes from uh, Hilland and Hawks, the uh, guy who tested for being yeah, yeah. podiumed at that. And the wheelie? Yeah, I think he got third, third, second or third. Anyway, so I knew nothing about this. I'm, I'm new on the race scene, as most people are then, and I think only if you'd had inside knowledge would you have known what was about to happen. So Craig Strong turns up on this crazy modified PK Ripper with a banana seat, mm-hmm. like a legit banana he was seat, ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and a fixed wheel, and a super, super easy gearing. Yes. Like, it looked like it was probably They put some maybe thought like, into the whole deal, didn't oh, they? Yeah, dude, yeah. Dude. So he turns up, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to break the world record today. And people are like, what? So <laughs> he then starts off. I think the second and third place guys may have, may have lasted five or ten minutes. And they might have gone round like 10 or 15 times. Dude, he just goes for a couple of hours. They ran a freestyle comp while he was still going He'd always win by 1.1 hour and something, you know. So what he did was he he went round, and I remember he went round. When he got to the world record, I think, and beat it, that was when he started taking the bits off his bike. (laughs) I remember seeing stuff of him doing that. I didn't know if that was during that particular... It was so mind-blowing to me. So if you imagine, he's he's still in the wheelie. He's doing this wheelie. And because he's got the the banana seat on, he doesn't even really need to use the handlebars. He's doing it with his hips. So all of a sudden, he's got some quick release. (laughs) No, he took his bars off. Yes, he did. He took the bars off and was just... Dude, I it was. He so... did the same that he came to the '83 and maybe '84 British Championships, and it was in Derby Greyhound Stadium, obviously around the outside it of the BMX track. It was a Greyhound Stadium. Nine. He kept wheeling around the Greyhound Stadium track, so he had like big events where we'd go and he do that stuff. He, yeah, he was a, he was the dude who could wheelie as long as he wanted to. Yeah, like with no that's you know you hear people say, well until my cable snaps, man. Like he really was the dude who could. He yeah. he had a different bike. He had a bike set up for a world really record attempt. Great hair as well. He's like, yeah, wham hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Kajigugu>. <laughs> Dude, straight out of the new romantic era haircut, yeah. man. Good looking dude. And you know, he had the bike shop. <laughs> I started racing, and you'll like this. Here's, here's a bit of trivia. This is for you, Tom. Myself and Tom Lynch, our first couple of races were in the. Tom had very, a strong top, yeah. Oh, you did, you told me, yeah. strong top yeah. that he rode. When he did the uh, when he broke the world right, record. see so influence that's, you, yeah. You know, maybe he should be an influencer. <laughs> you know? Anyway, that's 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 our, our uh, they're the four they're the four groups that have been done so far. Um, I mean, what a list of names! If you were alive at, or well, not if you were alive, but if you were around the scene at that point at the beginning of the eighties when BMX was first happening, those people were embedded in that scene and were heroes of that scene it's uh, that pioneer metal racer category those dudes were you know they were the dudes who signed in autographs man it's uh, it's you know Alan Woods you know Alan Alan Woods just <laughs> he knows has always known so much more about BMX than everybody else mm-hmm. like from the head start of everything else and knowing everything to just the experience and the years that he's now got in there it's just uh, yeah he's one of them dudes that if he disagrees with you you're probably going to have to look at what you're saying because he's probably right and you're probably wrong alright Paul I think that's good obviously we've got more categories to talk about we'll probably come back and circle yeah. back around on the next bunch of yeah. categories that we roll out so in yeah. probably another three or four weeks me and you will do this one again um, in the meantime thanks for listening everybody and uh, we'll catch you next time see you on the flip <laughs>